Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Just wanted to give you some fair warning that Dan's probably going to swear on this podcast. Because he always does. Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, March 25th, the Privacy Please edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's eight, Oliver, who's six, and Teddy, who's four, and we live in Navarre, Florida. Hello, I'm Dan Coyce. I'm a writer at Slate and the author of the book, How to Be a Family. I'm the dad of Lyra, who is 15, and Harper, who's 13, and we live in Arlington, Virginia. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and co-host of Slate's Wild and Wise Evening Chat Show, and mom to Naima, who is just about eight years old, and we live in Los Angeles, California. So on today's show, what to do if a Zoom play date goes south? Then we'll come up with a strategy for a five-person family living in close quarters and a kid who needs privacy in the bathroom. Then on Slate Plus, have your kids watched the Netflix movie Yes Day and started begging for a whole day where you, their parent, can't say no to anything? Well, you're not alone. Former MADAF co-host Gabe Roth will be joining us to rant only on Slate Plus. So let's start with triumphs and fails. Dan, what do you have for us? I've got a simple, powerful fail this week. Just a pure, unalloyed inarguable fail so uh we were all eating ice cream and we have this new ice cream scoop that we got just a few months ago and i don't like the ice cream scoop the ice cream scoop is just it's too big it's too its mouth is too wide uh it barely fits in a pint container which is the size of container that the best flavors of ice cream are served in yes it just doesn't work that well you know harper's like struggling to get the ice cream out of the box and i have to help her and I go, oh, you know, phew, I just really don't like this new ice cream scoop I got because I was thinking, I feel like I probably bought this thing and I don't want it to, you know, anyone else to feel like I'm criticizing their ice cream scoop or whatever. So I made sure to put it on me. This ice cream scoop I got, not very good, guys. Am I right? And then Harper just instantly goes, okay, well, I got it for you for Christmas. So <laughs> it's just a real basic, you had one job kind of fail. <laughs> Don't talk shit about your what your children got you for Christmas. It's not that hard, but I, I blew it. Big time blew it. Yeah, that's it. That's my fail. That is a fail. Thanks. That's just a fail. Jamila? I'm such a consumer that like I'm already looking up ice cream scoops. I'm like, you know what? I do hate my ice cream scoop. <laughs> I do want, I do deserve a better ice cream scoop. Why do I have it? It sucks. Okay, so my triumph is again me cribbing something that Naima has done uh, and claiming it for myself. But this is something that I'm really proud about. So Naima and a couple of her girlfriends were on Zoom, 
And I overheard bits and pieces of this conversation. I wasn't really able to piece together what was happening. And then one of the girl's mothers texted me and said, you know, are you hearing this conversation? So it turns out that one of the girls had said something, um, something sexist, if you will. Something about boys not being able to wear lipstick and makeup. You know, and and then when Naima and one of the other, you know, the third girl on the call pressed her on that, um, you know, she took it further and talked about a YouTuber who she would like, but he's a makeup artist, which I'm kind of like, well, why would what would you like about him? Because this whole thing is makeup. But, um, you know, if, if he weren't a boy who wore makeup. And so just the way that they corrected her, just, you know, that is sexist. That is sexist. And I can tell that the, the third child's not having um, the same conversations that Naima and her other friend are having at home, right? You know, because her reaction to the word sexist, as Naima said, it was kind of like she'd heard a dirty word. Naima said that she, uh, among the memorable quotes that she shared with me, and I fully believe that this is how it went, uh, she said, you know, and so she, when she talked about how she wants to like him, but she doesn't like him because he does those things, I said, oh, honey, you need to worry about yourself and what you are doing with your life because he can do what he wants. Boys can do whatever they like. Girls can do whatever they like. Those rules are silly, you know, and I don't know what, you know, Naima's spirit is, you know, where she's at yet with, with her orientation and identity and all that stuff. But I love that, you know, regardless of where she is as a person, she's at a place either at, in, in terms of autonomy or empathy that she's like, you can go because you're not going to disrespect, uh, you know, people of this experience. Go Naima. Naima gets another triumph again. Jamila, she's, no, she's that's, hanging where in there. No, where do you think she gets that from? <laughs> I think you definitely get to claim that. Like, that, that's a result of, you know, what she's hearing and experiencing at home. Like, that is why she feels the opinion she expressed, right? So not only telling this other girl, like, boys can be, wear whatever they want, be whatever, but her, like, feeling confident enough to tell a friend those things. I mean, that's the, that in many ways is the hard part, right? Absolutely. Well, we have a fail wrapped up and hopefully a, <laughs> a triumph at the new camp house on um, Sunday. We um, the kids wanted to like have a parade or something. That's what they kept saying. And they had like a whistle and this they like had this flag. And, and Jeff and I were trying to call some friends of ours from Colorado Springs. And so we told them, go, like, go outside and have your parade march around the house and sent them outside unsupervised as we do very frequently. And so we're on the phone um, with these friends and all of a sudden uh, Henry comes like running in the door and he's like, Oliver is bleeding everywhere. And so Jeff just like sets the phone down, runs outside. He comes back like cradling Oliver. There's like blood and he's like, we need stitches. We're going to the ER. He has just like sliced his, his eyebrow. There is not an ER close to us. It's about like a 40 minute drive. So I like bandage him up. We put him in the car. Jeff, takes off with him I like go to try to figure out what happened because at that point it was you know it was like irrelevant turns out there was something that maybe Henry was using as a baton got thrown up in the air and on the upswing made contact with his eyebrow 
How do boys survive childhood? Oh, this My is like, God. <laughs> right? When you guys go into the ER, the bell rings like the bell rings. Oh, they know when us. Jamila or I walk into the yeah. ice cream store. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, we we get to that. Jeff actually has the number. He calls ahead. Um, we have a doctor there that we, like, we have been to New this camp, ER table so for many two. times. <laughs> yeah, they put us in the overlarge room every time. I've been in there when Jeff has been flying and they're like, do you want us to get on the radio and get your husband? Like it's just like which boy is it this time? Um, we've been are they going to throw so you guys times. a goodbye party? The nurse did joke like, "Oh, you guys are moving. Like, is this going to be your last visit?" We we're like, "We can only hope." <laughs> we've done pretty well actually in COVID, avoiding avoiding the ER. But whatever led to the the bleeding has been a fail. But Oliver got two stitches. We have our favorite ice cream shop that whoever gets stitches gets to stop at on the way home and. <laughs> Um, like our, we just went about our day. So I, I am sort of like, even though we move all the time, we're able to just like know what to do, handle the situation with very limited upheaval to like our day or plan. So and you've incentivized stitches. We've incentivized stitches. Yeah, no, they're still all terrified because it is like, um, <laughs> you know, as they describe. <laughs> In detail, when they get home, you know, this is how many holes they had to put in my face while they sewed us up. <laughs> Has everyone had stitches at this point? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree that it's great that you guys are unfazable, uh, as yeah. long as you don't sort of tip over into, like, dark comic EMS territory where you're, like, cracking wise to each other at 2 a.m. about how you've seen the shit. I, I don't think we've gone over the edge to, to too dark. Like, I even think now we're good judges of whether you need stitches or not. We've had a couple where, like, there's an ER doctor that we're friends with in the neighborhood. Because if you have three or more children, you need to have a friend that is an ER doctor. If you don't have one, go go find one. Um, but we used to, like, refer to her a lot or say, like, hey, do we need to go get stitches? And now I feel like we're both kind of, like, one look at it and able to say... Like, yep, <laughs> we were to the hospital we go. <laughs> you know the parameters. You know the rules. Okay, before we move on, Dan, you owe us an update. Last week, you came to us with the dilemma. Should you and Alia break your no makeup before high school rule? What did you decide? Well, I, I uh, went upstairs after our conversation and told Harper, hey, I, you know, we recorded the show today. We did a whole conversation with everyone about our makeup rule and how there was, you know, we had this rule that you couldn't do makeup until high school uh, outside the house. And what should we do when you go back to school? And, you know, I think they gave me really good advice that I should talk to you about it and that probably it's okay for us to rethink the rule and for you to wear a little bit of makeup to school if you want. And she was like, Dad, I, are, I went to school today. And I already wore makeup and I don't even remember that rule. <laughs> so problem solved. She looked great. She does just do a little, little, little bit of makeup. It's not a full prom face, TM Jamila, um, but just a little something, and then you can't see it because she's wearing a mask. But she looks great. That's great. We completely forgot about the mask part. Yeah, we we're just hoping, hoping for better times. If I ever decide that I want to like strictly enforce the only a little bit of makeup rule. You can tell, you know, to the microliter how much makeup she wore by how much is smeared on the inside of her mask at the yes. end of the day. So that's actually a great gauge. 
So in summation, your rule had zero effect on her behavior. <laughs> That's correct. She did not remember the rule. Uh, and and if I had tried to strategically enforce it after our conversation, it would have been a disaster. So everything worked out great. Well, perfect. That's yeah. that's what we like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> With that, <laughs> on to the business. Today in Slate Plus, we have Gabe Roth, who'll be venting about his kids asking and asking and asking for a yes day. So come commiserate if your kids have already found the movie on Netflix. If they haven't, it'll be a warning. Here's a little bit of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. It has it not been yes day for you too, though, it, it, for the rest of the It's guys? been the same kind it's of yes day. day. It's been a, a, a yes, yes day as a sort of false compromise in exchange for the massive no that the universe has served up to every one of us. To hear segments like that and get ad-free podcasts, sign up for Slate Plus. Slate Plus members get benefits like zero ads on any Slate podcast, bonus episodes of shows like Slow Burn and Dear Prudence, and you'll be supporting the work we do here on Mom and Dad Are Fighting. It's only $1 for the first month. To sign up, go to slate.com slash momanddadplus. If you want to be notified about all things Slate Parenting, you need to sign up for Slate's Parenting Newsletter. Besides getting all of Slate's great parenting content in one place, including Mom and Dad are Fighting, Ask a Teacher, Care and Feeding, and much more, it's just a fun story from Dan each week directly to your inbox. So go and sign up at slate.com slash parenting email. Finally, if you want to connect with other parents, join our parenting group on Facebook. It's a super active community. It's moderated. Just search for Slate Parenting on Facebook. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, let's get to our first listener question of the week. And this is being read by none other than the fabulous Shasha Leonard. Dear Mom and Dad, my first grade daughter had a Zoom play date yesterday where her friend played for about 10 minutes, wandered away and ignored her for 10 minutes, and then just hung up on her. My daughter called back and was trying to ask why she hung up, and the girl interrupted her, said, sorry, bye, and hung up on her again. They are pretty good friends, but haven't seen each other much since this summer, and only on Zoom a few times. But it never went like this. Nor have any of the other numerous Zoom playdates she's had with other friends. When I texted the other mom to find out what was going on, she said her daughter realized she hadn't said goodbye and was sorry. This girl has a very strong personality, and it's not the first time my daughter has gotten a little burned by it. But after crying hysterically yesterday because she had been looking forward to playing with her, my daughter wants to set up another playdate. I just am at a total loss. My mama bear wants to be like, forget her. My hands-off parenting side says to set up a playdate and prepare her for what might happen. My meddling side wants to talk to the other parents about setting some expectations for how to treat each other for future Zoom playdates. Or that they at least be around while she's on the phone. Or maybe we should stick to in-person outdoor meetups for now. They're about an hour's drive away. What would you do? And if this is a teachable moment for my daughter, what's the lesson? 
I know that this Zoom play date didn't go very well, but I also don't think that that is reason enough for you to prepare your child for this being the end of her friendship with this kid or as a reason to write this kid off. Children that age do not have social skills, period. Kids scamper off from actual playdates like, okay, bye, right? You know, like there's one kid who wants to give hugs and make a commitment to see each other again and to talk about how fun the day was. And then there's the other one who's like, I've had exactly enough of this. Thank you. I'm ready to move on with the next part of my day. You know, it very well could be that that's what happened during uh, this Zoom call. It could be that this other child doesn't like doing Zoom calls. This is a very awkward and new way of communicating, even for those of us adults who've been doing video for many years, right? So for this to be the way that you socialize with someone, there are a lot of kids who don't like it. And also kids are doing Zoom school, so now the way that I see my friends is also the same way that I sit and listen to a teacher and, and perhaps I'm not very engaged or happy throughout the day. So uh, I think that you should talk to your daughter about the reasons why this Zoom occasion might have gone this way and why it's possible that future Zoom dates with this child or with other children may go that way, um, but that a better way of gauging relationship um, might be in person when you're able to do that. And so if you do another Zoom date with this kid and it doesn't go well, then maybe this isn't your Zoom date friend. But I would not assume that that means that this person is not your friend. Yeah, the thing that was most surprising about this letter to me was not the way that this friend behaved on the Zoom call, but the statement by this letter writer that all the other Zoom play dates have gone great. That seemed incredible to me. The very idea, because first graders are just not like generally constitutionally equipped to do a Zoom play date. And often, as Jamila says, they're not even equipped to do a regular play date. They're yeah. just not equipped to be human beings in the world. I think back a lot to the way that Lyra and her two longtime best friends were when they were four or five, six years old around the age of this child. And they were friends that we made because when we moved to Arlington, we moved in the middle of the year and there weren't any spaces and preschools anywhere because, you know, like in many places where preschools are a hot commodity, they just all had like seven year waiting lists or whatever. Your child has to be negative four years old when you <laughs> sign them up for the waiting list. And there was one preschool that had just opened. And so it was getting filled with entirely with people who had just moved to Arlington. And so we met these other families there, very nice families who we liked very much, but we definitely made friends with them because we were all desperate for friends at the exact same moment. And we endured several years of extremely bad playdates between all of these kids uh, in which one of them would be angry at the other or they would have fun for half an hour and then someone would blow up or Lyra would be horrible or one of the other ones would be horrible. I have this very distinct memory of um, one time when we were at the park and all three of them had sort of gone off to the woods to play. And then we saw them all walking back like with great purpose towards us. And the lead one, the, the lead girl, Sophie was just crying and crying and crying. And then Lyra was right behind her looking very worried. And then Katya was right behind them yelling, don't tell them, don't tell them what I did. <laughs> but it was like, they were all like that. <laughs> because first graders are just like not that good at this unless you unless a miracle happens basically and we just 
we had to learn to like not deal with every moment of friction, even bad moments of friction in these interactions between these kids as being representative of anything about the friendships really, or their relationship with each other or the kind of people they were, our kids or the other kids, because all that stuff is off the table when it comes to first graders interacting with each other, because it's just very hard for them. And so I would urge you not only in zoom play dates with this child, but in the future real life play dates that you're going to have with this child to not stress out about this child's quote unquote strong personality or whether your kid is getting burned by it. At some point, if it turns out that they can't be together for more than two minutes without screaming or hitting each other, sure, then separate them and think about whether this friendship is worth keeping. But like one Zoom play date that went bad, as Jamila says, is not a reason to have any big thoughts about the future of this friendship. Plus, she said it was fine for 10 minutes. I feel like first graders, 10 good minutes on Zoom is, I have a first grader. 10 minutes would be be like, yes, (laughs) you know, like you won. Exactly. She asks, um, what is the teachable moment here? I think the teachable moment is that like other humans are unpredictable and you can't control their behavior. And so much of friendship. A teachable moment for her too, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For all of us is that like, Maybe this girl had a bad day. Maybe she hates Zoom. Maybe your daughter also hates Zoom. I think your daughter's like reaction of crying, like that's also okay and happens in in-person playdates. And, you know, the question I think is like, is a Zoom playdate something you want to even keep doing? If, if it's working well with other kids, keep doing it, sure. And your daughter likes it and this other kid. But if this Zoom play date doesn't work with this child, that's totally fine. Like you have friends that you don't play board games with or friends that you don't go play soccer with or whatever things. Maybe this is just a friend that you don't do Zoom play dates with. It's not like adults where some kind of contact is important or you feel like you haven't seen them in forever. I also think you don't need to stress like as a parent, that it's your job to maintain all of these friendships over this, the course of however long this lasts. Um, if it's not working, it, it sounds like your daughter, you know, wants to see this child again. I think if, if she keep, if your daughter keeps asking and you feel like that's something you want to do, you should talk to the other parent about what the best thing is, but maybe just like treating zoom less like a play date in which you schedule to have someone's kids for some set amount of hours. If you treat it more like a phone call in which your child will call, spend 10 minutes catching up with this other person or playing with toys at the same time. And then it's just over that that is a much more reasonable expectation of you know, the limitations of Zoom. And I don't know about your kids, but mine are so over, like the idea that they're going to play over the computer, like they're just done with that. Elizabeth's exactly right. I think that it's totally normal for your child to cry as a result of this thing. It's not a sign of like some greater problem. The other thing that's totally normal is for your child to say, you know, 12 hours later, I want to see this person again. Kids, in addition to being really good at picking up friendships that have lain fallow for a long time, kids are really good at at forgetting and forgiving slights that often drive us, the parents, crazy, but often don't have any impact at all on the kid. And so I don't think that you should necessarily worry that your kid is going to be going into whatever the next play date is with this child, being desperately fearful that it's all going to go bad again. Instead, your kid is probably just going to go into this play date being like, great, I get to I get to play with this person again. Naima, um, my daughter, who is completely obsessed with my mother in particular, will 
just walk away from the call, you know, like, bye, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like, and doesn't necessarily like talking to my mother very, like there are times where she really wants to talk to her, but like for the most part, she vastly prefers having her in person. You know, there've been times where it's like, I have to beg you to get on the phone with her, but then you're telling me how much you miss her and how bad you want to see her. That's just not, you know, the way that she wants to consume her. So I think again, I would just remind your child that you could have, you know, you will over the course of the rest of your life come across friends that don't like to engage via telecommunications. They would rather deal with you in person. I I just feel like validating that for kids to tell them it's okay that this is terrible. And I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that's how you're experiencing that because I do think some of this would be resolved if you were in person. If the kid didn't want to play it anymore and ran off right in a normal play date, you'd follow her and pick up something new. And that's once they leave the computer, that's not available. So, well, good luck. And please let us know how your kid's next play date goes. If you have a question for us, email us at slate.com or do what this listener did and post it in the Slate Parenting Facebook group. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On to the second listener question, read once again by Shasha Leonard. Dear Mom and Dad, we live in a two-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment, so our five-year-old and our three-year-old twins all share a large bedroom. They like sharing a bedroom. But recently, the five-year-old has been asking for privacy in the bathroom or when changing clothes. This is totally fair in theory, but in practice, it means that she'll stand naked in front of her wardrobe for five minutes while she picks out clothes and chats, expecting us all to avert our eyes while we help the twins get dressed. There are also a lot of fights about the twins needing to wash their hands or brush their teeth while the big one is using the toilet or undressing in the bathroom. Does anyone have a good system for ensuring that everyone has time to change clothes or use the bathroom in peace without totally derailing the getting out of the door process? First of all, I want to say that I love this kid's style to demand privacy, but also want to make sure that she can chat with everyone with their backs turned so they cannot behold the queen as she (laughs) is putting on her regalia. Uh, I got to give it up to this kid's sense of style. Um, So there's two separate problems stemming from this need for privacy. They both have to do with getting ready, but there's the bathroom problem and there's the bedroom problem. And I think they potentially have two different solutions. In the bedroom, when um, Her Majesty wishes to not be regarded by peasants' eyes while she is getting dressed, it seems like the answer is for her to get dressed by herself 
in full privacy, a thing that five-year-olds are totally capable of doing. And you can be dressing those twins elsewhere or at a different time. You can be trading off and putting the twins in the bathroom while uh, Her Majesty is dressing in the bedroom. And that seems totally fine. And in addition, allows you to build the skill that this seemingly very independent-minded kid would benefit from, which is making all those decisions and getting those clothes on all by herself. In the bathroom, uh, to me, it seems like the obvious answer is just like a kitchen timer. Like, just set it for five minutes. When everyone else is done with the bathroom, if you would like to return to the bathroom and enjoy yourself in the mirror a little bit more, you should absolutely feel free to. Uh, But a kitchen timer, like just a crappy $4 kitchen timer you buy at the Dollar General is a great solution to many household problems. Certainly this one. What do you guys think? I think it's very important that this child understands their right to bodily autonomy and space. And that even in a small, if you will, apartment, which I mean, it it could be a whole lot smaller. You know, you do have two bedrooms. You have a place for um, everyone else to go. And I I don't think it's a tremendous sacrifice to allow your five-year-old a couple of minutes to uh, herself so she can feel comfortable changing. And it's not only that it's important for her to know that it's okay to have bodily autonomy, I also think it's useful for her to know that you do have to be considerate to other people in your family. Um, We have a very similar problem because I have, um, you know, the three boys sharing a room and then they also share a a bathroom. And like when we have guests or grandparents here or whatever, that's the same bathroom that's that gets shared. Uh, Although sometimes in that case, obviously, we all come use the the bathroom that's attached to our room. Um, So then there's five of us, you know, using the one bathroom. In the days in which we had guests, that is clearly not a <laughs> not a current issue. But we have found that number one is like get a timer and everybody gets time for things because I think it is about balancing the need for privacy with this need for understanding that you live as part of this family and in this communal space. And and some of the things we did, particularly Henry is the one who wants to have his own like some privacy. The other two don't really seem to care, but. We lay out clothes the night before so that there's no standing and getting dressed. He's the first one up. So the schedule for him is like he goes into the bathroom. His clothes are already there. He gets dressed. Um, he does. We we sort of say that the bathroom is for bathroom things. And anything that doesn't need to be done in the bathroom, we don't do in the bathroom. I think that will help. I think there's also an opportunity in the bedroom to arrange furniture or rearrange how things are so that there's privacy in the shared space. With the washing hands and all of that, taking a minute to look at everyone's schedule and saying, like, how do we decrowd this this moment? Like, can the twins get up a little bit early and feed them breakfast while, she, you know, your daughter gets dressed? And then it's like a switch. We use that trick a lot. Like, someone is using the bedroom to get ready while the other kids are eating breakfast. Like, just using all the space you have in the house for this morning routine where everyone needs to be kind of getting ready at the same time. Yeah, you really have to be ruthless uh, with the morning routine. And the more kids you have, I think the more ruthless you need to be. And thinking of your home for those brief moments as just like a little Henry Ford assembly line factory where the product you're churning out is dressed children ready for school is actually not harmful at all and will really help you get through that time. I think, too, it sets the precedence when they're older and as they get more autonomous like that 
that although there is like opportunities for privacy, you can't gunk up the whole system. These are kind of life skills. Like I know it, it seems like, oh, I'm just dealing with this, but you're also teaching your children about sharing these spaces and, and being considerate, but also getting the things that you need. I think rethinking the house, reimagining the house, right? Because for some people, the idea of, you know, rolling up your hair on the couch or, you know, somebody doing um, grooming in a dining room or, you know, being in the living room changing by themselves because that's the only place that's available at the moment may sound wild, but like, this is your home. And, you know, particularly if you're not entertaining guests at the time, like if you have to have somebody getting changed in the kitchen, as long as the kitchen has shades and blinds, it's fine. No one's coming over. You might as well use it. (laughs) Use it. Use the space. Well, we hope that helps. If you have a conundrum rattling around, send it in, email us at slate.com or post it on the Slate Parenting Facebook group. So now we are going to move on to recommendations. So Jamila, what do you have for us? After a, a long while of putting packaged beverages essentially to the side altogether um, because they've been a lifelong obsession of mine and they're not always very healthy for you. And even when they are, they're expensive. Um, I I kept seeing these uh, billboards for Coca-Cola with coffee and I was intrigued. Now, years ago, Red Bull had a cola, which that's not the same concept at all, but it was delicious. And I've been chasing something that tasted like that. And I thought for some reason, maybe this would. They have three flavors, dark blend, caramel, and vanilla. And I bought all three of them because they were there and I needed something to do. And so I am recommending uh, the dark blend. I, I will admit I did not enjoy the vanilla and I haven't had the caramel yet. I can't rightly say that I like this per se. But the greatest of recommendations. It is fascinating <laughs> to the palate. It is a thing. And I think it might be on the cusp of something really great. But I think that you should try it. And perhaps you can help me to decide how I feel about this flavor. Are you going to get more? Like, is it interesting? No. You, you want to experience more? No. <laughs> it's like a club she went to. And it was good. And she That's thinks good. everyone should have this experience. Oh have LA's it. hottest yeah. club but is she won't be going back. coffee. Yeah, you just need to say you've had it. I'll tell you my chief complaint, and I don't know how they solve for this. Well, I'm sure they can because they've been making soda for quite a long time. It's not quite carbonated enough, oh. which is the opposite of my usual complaint about Coke, which that it tastes too bubbly. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I'm like, did you literally just I only like coffee? the bubbles. <laughs> yeah, too like, bubbly. The taste is irrelevant to me. I'm a Pepsi girl. Next week, we are going to have the most entertaining triumphs and fails when Jamila blows up her apartment trying to soda stream yeah. coffee. Yeah, you put it in the Pepsi. soda stream. No, don't do that. This would be so good in an overpriced, or no, at like some sort of um, cocktail at some like brand activation or event. Like yeah. That's what I think it's reminding of you of. It's reminding you of being at a party oh where God. a 23-year-old intern is like, hey, try our new blah, 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 yeah. blah. And then you try it and you're like, I'm never drinking that again. Yeah. But, <laughs> but we I'm don't get to do that anymore. Yeah. It's, like, it's bringing back all these like, this is new. My recommendation is not uh, as complicated as Jamila's recommendation. Uh, it does not include notes of Coca-Cola, coffee, and despair the way hers does. But um, I 
I'm recommending Amber and Clay, a middle grade novel by Laura Amy Schlitz. Um, it just came out. It is set in ancient Greece and is written partly in verse and partly in prose. It's about uh, an enslaved boy and an aristocratic girl, but it's not a romance. And in fact, those two characters, though linked in spirit, never actually meet in person. Uh, It's a very surprising book in a lot of different ways, but it really grabbed Lyra, particularly at a time when it has been very hard for any book to grab her, as I think a lot of kids are having that problem right now. So if you have a kid maybe between 10 and 15 who really knows her Greek myths, maybe because once she loved Percy Jackson and she needs something engaging to read, you might want to give it a try. It seemed to me that the the mode transformations between prose and poetry, and there's also a lot of art in the book, really helped Lyra sort of uh, get excited about this reading experience in the way that other reading experience haven't, she hasn't sparked to those right now. It's called Amber and Clay by Laura Amy Schlitz. That sounds great. I am recommending, in light of my triumph and fail, Welly Band-Aids. <laughs> they come in these really cute tins. And actually, they come as, like, packs where you can get all of the, like, um, kids' wound care. And they have great patterns. I will say, ultimately, I bought it because the tin looked so cute. And I thought, I definitely need this little tin of Band-Aids. But the Band-Aids themselves are fantastic. Like, they do better than any other type of band-aid that we have had and we should know um and the <laughs> the uh patterns i mean are like a fun you know are fun to entice the children to wear them they make adult ones as well that come in all kinds of colors um but i just really love them and they really do just like stick so well and i have the kind of skin that like when i peel it off i get the like allergic reaction to the band-aid and these don't do it to me i don't know if they're using a different type of adhesive or what the deal is but i don't get those little like red bumps in the shape of a band-aid the best part about this recommendation is that somewhere in band-aid brand headquarters sirens are going off because of the, all the times we referred to another company's <laughs> adhesive bandages as the trademarked band-aid sorry band-aid you lost the war i guess we have to, won the war you you're always wellies. the problem is because wellies are boots are right thing. that's a totally different thing the new camp family goes through a lot of adhesive things for soaking up blood uh-huh. You know, if you have to have a Band-Aid over your child's face, why not let him choose unicorns, which makes him happy? Mm-hmm. So, We love Welly Band-Aids. They're so good. They're really good. Well, that's it for our show. Um, one last time, if you want us to weigh in on your quandaries, email us at slate.com or post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Just search for Slate Parenting. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us out and you'll never miss an episode. And while you're there, rate and review the show. Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson. For Dan Coyce and Jamila Lemieux, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.